Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections, have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mirror. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-T. R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Mirror Talk Podcast. Your moment of greatness starts now. Today's guest is an award-winning professor and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, pastors, and spiritually-minded professionals. He's the author of four books, including his forthcoming Centering Prayer, How Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. You can find out more about Centering Prayer and Brian's new book at www.centeringprayerbook.com. Welcome to the show, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Toby. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here today. It's great to meet you, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you and your audience. Thank, thank you so, so much for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation since the last time we connected, about four weeks ago, a month ago that we connected. And I'm looking forward to, you know, hearing about your life journey so far. You know, in your book, you wrote that you, you lived most of your life by Descartes' um, words, which says... I think, therefore I am. So please, can you share your, your life story with me as well as how you became a practitioner of Centering Prayer? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I'm, a per, I'm, a, I'm a professor, so I've been a, a professor of uh, biblical studies for uh, 20, 23 years now and 21 years in a row now. And so in, when, when I go back to my earliest memories, even as, as, a, as a child, I've always been really good at school. Um, mm very good student. And I learned how to read when I was very young. So I was reading pretty, I was reading adult books when I was like six or seven years old. And I actually was drawn to teaching and wanted to be like a researcher, even when I was a small child. Now, obviously I got into other things as I got older, but it's, it's interesting that I've always been kind of wired to be really good at school, to think, to read, to study, and then to share those with other people. And that's, uh, it's, it served me really well for most of my life. But the, the challenge for me was essentially, and I, I, in my book, I talk about um, uh, Descartes uh, famous, I think, therefore I am, that I basically say I lived in my head. And so the world that I lived in was just the world of ideas and thoughts that were going on in my head. And like I share when I share my story, it's like that worked great as a professor, but it didn't work so great in my own, um, my personal life. And I'm also been a pastor and obviously pastors have lots of theology and ideas about God and we preach and we teach and all those things are great too, except a lot of times we, the, the picture that we have in our mind about maybe what God's like or the way that a church should be run it doesn't always match up with reality. So I always had this kind of a disconnect in my life and all that came to a boiling point 
uh, back in 2010. So it's been a little over 10 years now when I'd been in a 20 year marriage and all of a sudden um, my, my wife didn't want to be married anymore. And again, I mean, I looking back, I should have seen it coming, but I, I didn't. And I find myself uh, single. Um, I'm, a pastor and a seminary professor. And obviously we're not supposed to go through divorces because that's, <laughs> that's not yeah. what you think of with your spiritual uh, uh, leader. So I have this big failing in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, and, and I'm also having to be a single, uh, single parent because I basically get um, de facto custody of my kids and end up having to raise two young daughters uh, more or less um, uh, by myself. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to make this about my former, my former wife at all, but I just got put in this really difficult situation. And one day, one of my friends was saying, geez, Brian, um, it sounds like you're going crazy. And, you know, and I, I talk kind of fast anyway. And so I think I was just, um, all I like was doing was thinking like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make a comeback? Am I going to lose my job? How am I going to take care of my kids? Am I going to go bankrupt? I just had all of these fears. Is anybody ever going to listen to me again as a teacher or as a pastor? Because I have this, um, relationship failing. I'm literally getting an F in marriage after, you know, mm. on, on a, on a grade card. So I just had all this stuff going on. And, um, you know, and so my friend said, geez, you're going crazy or sound like you're going crazy. So I just, I'm, I live in Florida in the United States. So it's, you know, it's always, it's pretty much always sunny here and it happened to be in the springtime. So this is like March or so. And I just go for a walk and, you know, that's like the nicest time of the year in Florida because it hasn't gotten really hot yet. And so I'm walking down the road and, um, I didn't take my iPod that day. I wasn't, um, you know, I, I, I think those were still before you could have unlimited cell phones. So I wasn't talking on the phone. I'm just walking down the road. And mm-hmm. I remember all of a sudden, <clears throat> um, everything stopped. It felt like in just, just in the split moment. And I heard a bird singing, which obviously I'd heard birds before, but I remember looking up and all of a sudden everything just looked completely crisp. Like I could see leaves. I saw the bird. I'm seeing flowers on this walk. I'd never seen in the world just stopped for like a split second. And I realized it's like, wow, I've been missing all of this my whole life because I've been thinking all the time and even walking, looking down. And I just had this moment where I was fully present and, and I sort of like, I don't know if I heard a voice or imagine this, but I, I literally just had this experience where I felt like, um, like God was saying, Brian, uh, it's going to be okay. I'm enough for you. And there's an enough for everybody else. And you're just going to have to show up. And so that was like my almost an invitation to a completely new life. And so that's what I mean. I, so I kind of moved from, and I still am, I still teach. I still think a lot. It's not like I don't think and use my brain. We're having this conversation, but I realized that if my rest of my life is going to be about um, not just ideas, but actually living the ideas out in the real world and testing all the ideas against, um, you know, about, about real life. So I'm not just interested in teaching now about what I'm teaching. I'm interested in teaching the how, how do we actually live out this wonderful life that, uh, you know, I would say God has given us the privilege of, um, of enjoying. So, I mean, that's kind of a long answer, but that, that's kind of what I'm, how, why I introduced myself that way and how I got into, my, you know, kind of where, where, how I've actually even ended up on your podcast now, because I've been reflecting yeah. on this for like, 
looking back, I've you know spent a lot of time reflecting on what happened, and um, and that's just kind of led me on a just really interesting growth journey. Yes, and before going out, I would really love you to tell me how you know how you dealt with that situation in which you know as a spiritual leader, a professor, a pastor dealing with divorce. How was that like for you? How are you able to deal with that and you know overcome that situation or that phase of your life? Yeah, well, that's it's it's great. Well, it, it, thank you. And, and you know, I had this. Uh, that's a pretty long answer, but I'll just summarize. I mean, the things that really helped me <clears throat> was um, I took it as a gift in this way because um, that was the only thing I could do because for a long time I was like oh my gosh I just wanted to hide I was embarrassed I was ashamed felt guilty I was afraid I mean you know, so I had guilt shame fear mm. <laughs> and and so my goal the, the whole time was I'm like okay because I was 41 when this all happened <clears throat> and I thought okay I'm 41 and at some level, this kind of stinks that this has happened to me because like, geez, I'm 41, so I'm going to have to start my whole life over. But then I thought, okay, um, and, and somehow I just think in long term, I wanted to make a comeback. I, I knew I was going to be invited to be the 2.0 version of myself or the 3.0 version. And so um, I was thinking, okay, I'd love to be in another relationship at some point, but obviously I got a failing mark on this first one. And, and, and by the way, again, it takes, you know, there's always two people, there's two sides of everything. But like the thing that helped me was I decided, Toby, that this, that the divorce was 100% my fault. Hmm. Now I'm not saying, I mean, you know, that probably isn't true for people who are keeping score at home, but I decided I was going to own it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to just be a victim of what happened. Um, and so I was going to use this for growth. And my goal was, you know, again, I wish this wouldn't have happened, but I'm going to come out on the other side of this, a better man and not a bitter man. Yeah. And yes. so, you know, I just kind of opened myself up to growth because nothing feels good. I'm grieving. I'm scared. I'm ashamed. I'm guilty and uh, feeling guilty. And so um, I just open myself up. I would say open myself up to God just to cleanse me, show me the darkness in my own life, bring it all into light so that I can be healed, that I can grow, um, and that I can be a great father for my two daughters. And, you know, cool thing about my kids, they were nine and 10 when this all started. And, you know, they're both one of my daughters just graduated from college. So I got her through college and my other daughters on the verge of graduating and just, uh, you know, another semester. So, kind of succeeded in in that. So, you know, so I, I focused on my own growth. Um, I focused on not being afraid just to open up to see all of my blind spots. Um, and again, I'm not going to pretend like I have no blind spots now because I'm still growing, but it was just, I'm not going to be afraid to take a deep look at myself and change anything that um, needs to be fixed because I wanted to be yeah. a better person on the other side. And I guess that mindset is what really helped. Now, obviously, I had great friends um, being a pastor and a, a seminary professor. I mean, I just had all kinds of wonderful um, men and women reached out to me that had been former students, that had been my colleagues, other pastors. Mm -hmm. So I got to experience, you know, unconditional acceptance, unconditional love, encouragement. People reached out to me. So I didn't do this by myself. And so, um, you know, at the end of the, end of the story is I would say 
looking back, I wouldn't have wished that on myself or on anybody else, but um, it was actually a real blessing. And I'm also happy to say, um, <clears throat> because of the work I was able to do, I, I am happily remarried now. And I met a wonderful woman who was kind of in a similar place to me. And um, we've just, uh, um, we've been, uh, we've been together eight years now, and it's been um, a transformational, loving relationship that I, you know, obviously we always joke, we wish we would have met when we were 20, but it didn't work yeah. out that way. But uh, so, you know, that, so that's, that's kind of how I moved forward and, and how I addressed that, but it was just essentially being 100% open to growth and not making any excuses for what happened. It wasn't about what the, my former spouse did. It was how am I going to respond and how am I going to show up and how am I going to set myself up to be a better man long term? Yes, I, I really admire that, you know, positive mindset to grow through a difficult situation and come out of it as a better person. That's really, that's really awesome. And that's, that's why you're here today also to, you know, to educate me or to talk to me about, you know, centering prayer. Yeah. So can, can, can you tell me what, what's your definition for Centering prayer is, and what is the difference between um, centering prayer and meditation? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, and, and it really centering prayer is. Um, you can call it meditation. It's 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 a. You can also call it silent meditative prayer. But I, I sometimes I just tell folks, um, it's Chris, It's a Christian form of meditation, um, and so um, centering prayer that just. To do it, I can, you know, I can make a really simple, um, it's pretty easy to explain what to do. Then the practice itself, obviously, it takes patience and stuff. But essentially, um, what you do um, to do a centering prayer, this comes out of Christian practice all the way back to um, really the earliest church. There were um, men and women um, once Christianity became legal, they wanted more, they wanted deeper relationships. So they, they withdrew out of society and they went into the deserts of like Egypt and um, say Syria, Palestine area. And these are the, these would be the men and the women that started monasteries. These were their first, they, I don't think they called themselves nuns and monks yet, but that's what they would have become. And they, um, the, the practice of silent sitting in silence really goes back in the Christian world, at least to those persons. Um, centering prayer is was a lay movement around started around 1970 within the Roman Catholic Church, but it has its deeper roots. And basically, what you do is, um, you just, um, you know, I usually recommend people try to do this for about 20 minutes. You can do it for any amount of time, shorter or longer, and you sit with your eyes closed. And the whole goal is I'm going to sit in my intention um, as, a, as a Christian is I'm going to sit with God in God's presence and I'm going to surrender whatever goes through my head to God and just sit in silence. Now, anybody that's ever tried meditation or sitting in silence know that the goal isn't to become thoughtless because that you just can't turn your brain off. But the centering prayer practice is whenever you find yourself in a thought, um, and those thoughts could be anything from, you know, geez, I wonder if uh, I set my timer or, wow, I hear a bug buzzing around my ears or I hear a lawnmower outside or I have a great idea about what I'm going to do when I'm done or some disturbing thing shows up. I mean, you get all kinds of things going through your head, but you, what you do is um, you, you use a word. That's where the centering comes from. You have a word that you use. I usually use Jesus, 
but um, the, it's recommended to use a, like a just a short word, um, you know, like love or peace or joy or God, whatever you like. And you just use that word when you find yourself in a thought, you just sort of to yourself say your prayer word. And that lets you gently return to your intention, which is just to sit in silence with, with God. And, and, you know, and that is the goal. The goal is just the practice. And then the cool thing that happens sometimes and the really transformational thing that happens is the types of thoughts that you have that come up, um, you, you're surrendering them. So especially when you have like, you know, fearful thoughts or painful memories, instead of suppressing those, you're just using your centering prayer word to release those. So in a way you're releasing the junk in your life to God. And then in between the thoughts, I mean, we're talking about just split seconds. You'll sometimes um, you'll have this experience of unconditional acceptance and love. And I would just say that what's happening when that happens. And again, it doesn't happen every time. And sometimes it doesn't happen you know, I'm not even going to give a timeline, just, but at certain points, you'll just feel completely loved. And to me, that's God on the other side of our thoughts, interacting with our souls. So that's what centering prayer is. And, and you know, and you can, if you're familiar with meditation, like um, um, mindfulness-based meditation, which is, which has roots in, um, in Buddhist practice, and that doesn't make it bad, of course, but it's, it's just a different thing. And, and the it's centering prayer is like mindfulness in that mindfulness, you focus on your breathing. If you've ever been trained in that, you just, you're kind of breathing and you're told to focus on the, 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 the breath going in and out of your nostrils as kind of your centering place. Um, and so centering prayer is like that, except you're not using your breath, you use your prayer word. And instead of just, you know, kind of focusing on your breath, you're just sort of focusing and centering prayer on your intention to sit with God, but it's, but it is similar to mindfulness. And, um, the other common meditation practice that, you know, some folks will be familiar with would be the transcendental meditation, the TM practice, that's another kind of Eastern form. And what it uses is a mantra. So you are, you have a word and I guess, I don't know if they call it a prayer word or not, but you get a word and you basically just say that word repeatedly and that becomes your focus. And centering prayer is a little, is different from that in that the prayer word, like I said, mine's Jesus. I'm not going Jesus, 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 Jesus as a way to do it. I'm just using that word just to interrupt the thoughts. So that's how I would distinguish it with the cool, with the, with the key, the key difference would be the purpose. And, you know, as a Christian, my purpose is to sit with Jesus. Whereas these other practices have, you know, it's more, sometimes it's just more about self-reflection or, um, kind of inner healing, which is a byproduct of centering prayer, but the goal is to sit with God. So not, does that make sense, Toby? And do you want to? Yes, it makes yeah, sense. It's like, yeah. um, you know, trying to um, strengthen your relationship with God, try to communicate with him and just remain completely silent and open to what he's going to tell you and what your thoughts are, um, are going to tell you too, or what you're thinking about at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what it is, I mean, it builds within within the Christian religion, it would build on top of reading the scriptures and regular types of prayers. And it's just about um, recognizing that there's a God even on the other side of our best thinking and that God's even bigger than the thoughts that we can have. And we're trying to encounter that God. So it's it's actually a pretty cool yes. um, experience. And I, again, I've been doing it for years. And that was a key piece of my healing journey. It's that I was mm. trying when I had that experience that day when I was walking that I started the, our conversation telling telling you about. Um, 
I like, I want to try to figure out like, how can I, how, what happened? And it's, so it's kind of like I had this contemplative moment. And so what I found is the centering prayer. And then I also do some journaling. I use those mm. two practices and it's not the same thing as when I was walking, but I realized that's what my soul needed. I needed silence practices. So I just didn't sit around trying to scheme and make up, um, you know, plans to get myself back on track. It was just, yeah. I learned to be, which was just, mm. that's been the game changer for me just to be present. Yes, yes. And it's so awesome that, you know, you wrote a book about it, you know, your book titled Centering Prayer, How Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And I'm really excited to be talking about, um, the, you know, five parts that are in this book and, you know, it has 22 chapters also. So can you, you know, just tell me a little bit about the book and what inspired you to, to write the book, apart from the story we had, had already? <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's what's so fun. I mean, I've been a scholar and, you know, I have written other books. Most of my other books I've written about the, the Bible. I'm a biblical scholar. <clears throat> mm. I've done some like um, those, if, if, if your you know, listeners go to church, I've written like Sunday school lessons that they people can use in groups and stuff. So I've always done that kind of stuff. And so I've been writing uh, most of my life. But um, as part of my healing journey, <clears throat> I had, you know, I had to confront who I really was. And I made a promise to myself, because um, I kind of even got sick of just writing about the Bible it doesn't, you know, doesn't mean I don't like the Bible anymore. But I was just like, okay, I used to do a lot of stuff just because I was invited, or I was expected of me as part of my job. And I just made a promise that I was never going to write anything that I 100% wasn't completely committed to. Again, I'm not suggesting that I've been a fake or anything in my life, because that's not what I mean by that. But I wanted to just do things that I absolutely loved, not just something that I was asked to do or, you know, um, or somebody expected me to do. And so what was fun about the centering prayer is um, I never meant to write the book. I just sat down and um, I would just, you know, write, I like to write about 500 words a day. That's always my goal. And so I just started writing about my experiences with centering prayer. I'd been doing some reading, um, I've read some other books on it. And I just, you know, I literally started writing Toby and then writing and writing and writing. And I ended up with like, um, 60,000 words wow, wow, wow. <laughs> in these, in these basically little 500 to a thousand word, almost like blog posts. And you've seen the book. And so even though it yes. has a lot of chapters, some of the chapters are pretty short. They were like these little snippets that I did. And the whole book really isn't the, isn't that long, but I wrote these little small pieces and I had all this stuff and I'm like, wow, I think there's a book here. And I just started, I did like a, um, you know, it's all on a word processor, but I had all these pieces. So I printed it all out and I just um, put it in kind of an order and then did an edit on my own little isolated pieces. And so this book, um, and this was so, oh, I'm so excited about it. And uh, is it was just pure joy because it just flowed out of me. Yes. Um, um, I, I shared it with friends and people liked it. I mean, I did a lot of editing, so it's not even 60,000, it's not 60,000 words anymore. It's literally, it's like, I think it's closer to like 40,000. So I, you know, I cut basically one third out of the stuff that I wrote, had some yeah. good editing. So I just distilled it down to the real nuggets. And, uh, um, and then the other cool thing is, um, you know, when you write books, you got to find a publisher and that's not always yeah. easy. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can just say, um, you know, you're looking at a guy, Toby, that, failed repeatedly as an author because I've been turned down for different books that I've done in the past 
a lot. It's not easy. And so not, the publishing was never easy for me. But what was amazing is I'd given my rough draft to one of my old mentors and he really liked it. And I said, Hey, who should we send this to? No, he told me I should publish. I'm like, well, who should I publish a book like this with? Because I'm, again, I'm a Bible professor, so I'm not sending it to some academic biblical studies press. I needed to find like a spiritual formation or, you know, a a spirituality publisher. Um, And I, you know, I didn't have contacts. And at some level I don't even have, you know, I'm not a spiritual formation professor, so I don't even have the academic credentials. And so, um, but my friend reached out to somebody and he said, Hey, send it to Paraclete press. And I'm like, cool. So this was literally my first choice. And this is why this was awesome. Um, I wrote the book proposal opposite at the paraclete and they took it right off the bat. So for the first time in my entire life, I'd had no rejections on this book either. So it was wow, like wow. total joy to write yeah. the, all the doors have kind of opened up. I mean, even on your podcast today, this has just been so fun. People are interested. And so it, it's just been a total blessing to let this book kind of flow out into the world. And I'm just super excited um, to see what, um, what's going to happen with it. And, um, you know, and then the cool thing is I, I, I'm not really even nervous. I'm just excited. And I have just a real sense of freedom, whatever happens. I did my part. I, I mean, this book literally just flowed through me and, you know, you've looked at, I put some really personal stuff in the book. Um, yes, yes. so it's both kind of, a, it's a, how to, how to do centering prayer. And I get, you know, I get down to the nitty gritty in there and I really, you know, share some of the, the um, real healing that can take place. And I use myself as kind of an example and I try example. to be um, fairly transparent um, about yes. some of the things that happened to me. And so, it, um, you know, that's that's kind of how the book came about and I'm just super happy. It comes out, you know, September. So another about another six weeks, the book's going to be live. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're looking forward to it. Like in fall, uh, September 2021, we're going to be reading Centering Prayer from Brian Russell. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then obviously, like you said, I, you can look at centeringprayerbook.com and I'll send you some information. It's available on, they're, they're pre-selling on Amazon. Again, I, don't, I know you're in Germany. I don't know how that works overseas, but I know it's available. It's probably available overseas. I have no idea, but um, it's definitely available on Amazon in the United States. In the 21st century that we are in right now, yeah. why is the practice for or the practice of silence or solitude? Why is it very important in this century? Oh yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's got it's gotten increasingly important just because our world is so noisy, right? That was always um, there's always um, there's always something to listen to. There's um, news to read. We can be on the internet. I mean, and, you know, walking around, I mean, how many people just, um, you know, just staring at their phones all the time and don't ever look mm-hmm. up. And so what silence and solitude does is it cuts through all that and lets you just be the actual person that you were created to be. Now, <clears throat> that sounds great, but the, the problem is when you sit in silence and you're not distracted um, it can be scary too, because like, you know, you know, we're, we're coming out of COVID, you know, we were just talking about that before we jumped on here and, um, again, it's still restricted in some countries, but a lot of us have been alone a lot more than we were used to. And we all know what that felt like. It felt weird. It was super hard. I mean, I've noticed at least in the United States that, you know, people have been a little bit more disagreeable with each other for sure than they have in the past. (laughs) Um, uh, There's more anxiety. And so, um, 
silence is a great thing because it can be healing, but it also um, can be really scary. And, you know, um, in my, in my book, I have a, a quote from um, um, uh, Nietzsche, which I'm going to, I'll, I got to try to, I should have already looked it up here, but uh, actually I'll try to, um, I'll just try to summarize it. Cause I don't have my book right in front of me, but he talks about, um, um, you know, we're, we're a, um, most of us like to numb ourselves with um, activities last when we're alone someone or something gets whispered into our ear. Mm. And so that's what silence does. Silence lets us see ourselves. Silence lets us kind of look at our deeper motivations. Um, Silence shows us our, um, the hurt parts of ourselves. You know, you'll, you'll sometimes if you sit in silence long enough, I mean, if you have anger issues, anger stuff will come up in your head. You'll think about people Mm. that did you wrong um, I mean, when the men and women that went out into the desert and started doing the, the silence practices, you know, like men, you know, in, in Christianity, there's always been this whole um, um, push against like sexual temptation and stuff. And what was interesting, like some of the early monks, they basically are get, they, in their minds, they're giving everything up for God and they're out mm-hmm. in silence and they're away from all temptations. There's no women around or anything. And these guys, they still got their brains. And so they're having these like sexual thoughts in their mind. And so, um, yeah. you know, you can get anger, sex, greed, um, um, uh, pride, uh, sadness, um, sloth, like the, these get the things that are considered to be the seven deadly sins in like Christian yes. practice. All those came out of um, monks in silence, looking at their inner world and seeing that those things come with you. And so in a sense, silence is so powerful and so important is because, you know, if we want to move ahead as and become, you know, a, a more just societies in our world, if we want to be better husbands and wives, fathers, sons, daughters, family members, employees, we have to allow ourselves to be healed of all the junk on the inside so we can literally just show up and you know be the loving, powerful people that I would say God created us to be. But in silence is the kind of the key that helps us to heal versus, you know, our temptation today is just to be distracted all the time and not grow. Yes. So silence helps in our, you know, inner um, purification and helps us to heal also and get rid of, you know, every filth that we might be having inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. yeah it is. It's like a pure, it's pure. It is. It's silence is about purification. If, if we're intentional about it and like these meditation practices and even a really powerful mm-hmm. journaling practice, it can be, um, it can facilitate that. Yes. Yes. So, so for someone out there who is listening and saying, okay, but where can I find this in the Bible actually? Like, yeah. are there like some you know, theological or biblical foundation for centering prayer, prayer? Um, can you like you know explain this to us? Yeah, no, no, and I think that's a super um, fair question because obviously you can't. I can't give you a verse that says go, you know, um, do centering prayer because that's not mentioned. But what what I would suggest um, for a biblical basis for this would be a couple of things. <clears throat> like in Second Corinthians, um, Paul gives a command. He talks about taking every thought captive. Mm. For example, and that's really interesting, right? So like, how do you take your thoughts captive? Well, the first thing you have to do is become aware that you're actually having thoughts. And so centering prayer can facilitate what Paul is talking about. 
you also have the example of Jesus. And again, I'm not suggesting necessarily that Jesus went out and sat in silence, um, but we do know that Jesus always withdrew, went to quiet places, and it said he prayed, you know, and obviously pray with words, but we can also assume that he was just sitting in silence some of the times. Um, another great um, kind of biblical basis for this, and, and this gets quoted a lot, would be that um, Psalm um, 46, where it says, be still and know that I'm God. Again, that particular psalm, again, they're not necessarily thinking about meditation. They're really just thinking about a noisy, crazy world, but just stopping and knowing that, you know, and being uh, silent. So there's a basis there. And yeah. one of the fun ones, and I talk about this in my book, again, this isn't necessarily about centering prayer, but it can be a biblical basis. There's a lot of folks probably remember the story about Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament. And yes. he has a, um, you know, he has a famous conflict with um Queen Jezebel, who was King Ahab's um, wife, and there's a big conflict between the prophets of Baal, and then, you know, Elijah defeats them and has them killed, and then Jezebel wants to kill Elijah, so he has to flee, and he leaves Israel, and he, flee, he, fled, he um, uh, flees all the way back to the desert where Mount Sinai was, <clears throat> and uh, there's this memorable scene where you know, he thinks he's the only one and God says, no, you're not the only one. And, um, and then Elijah has to go outside of his cave. And, and then it says there's a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. Mm-hmm. Then there's a wind. God isn't in the wind. And so you have these dramatic, powerful manifestations of nature. And it says God wasn't there. And then in the most English translations, I don't know what the, how the German sounds, but like the English translation, it talks about that, um, Elijah, then he, he doesn't see God in the spectacular. He hears God in this um, still um, small voice or this quiet voice in the Hebrew there. It's really interesting, Toby. It really just says mm-hmm. Elijah um, encountered God in the silence. Yeah. And so, yeah. again, was Elijah doing centering prayer? Not necessarily, the, but God was there in the silence. So those would be some ways to think about that biblically. And you might even say that pray without ceasing that Paul also talks about in first Thessalonians, this gives you a way of um, kind of living your whole life in prayer because you can, you know, you can do the centering prayer for 20 minutes, but as you go about your day, you can just, whenever you get a little pause, like when I'm driving, you know, when I'm sitting at like a light red light, I'll, just kind of think about my thoughts and I'll just kind of quietly release them to God and you can do it. So you can kind of do this throughout the day. So th- those would be some of the biblical basis for that, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. And um, how can, you know, centering prayer help me to, you know, um, get rid of the false ideas about God, for example, or to get rid of, you know, toxic um, beliefs yeah. that the world has impacted upon me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the most interesting thing is that you're, um, your view of God gets bigger. And, and, and the, 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 the way that centering prayer helps with toxic beliefs, like I, like I mentioned, I like to talk about what I call the unholy Trinity, fear, mm. shame, and guilt. And, you know, most of us struggle with all three of those, or at least, at least one of those three. And, it's, and they, they, they kind of manifest as, um, you know, I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough. Um, I feel guilty that I don't do enough. And I feel shame that because I just don't feel like I'm good enough. And, and, and what the centering prayer does is 
by the very fact that we surrender what comes out of our, um, basically our minds out of our unconscious. Um, and again, it's no big deal to, you know, like when I'm thinking, geez, I wonder if I set my timer, you know, that's, that's an irrelevant thought to just release. But the way that God uses centering prayer to deal with our toxic beliefs is through, I think what God allows to come to our minds. And so, like I mentioned a little bit about um, like those seven deadly sins, like I know early on, I had to confront the fact that I had a lot of anger that was suppressed in me. And that was coming off of being divorced and just feeling like, geez, I'd been done wrong. And, um, and so, you know, that people that I was upset with would just come into my mind while I'm supposed to be praying. And even I, you know, before, if you don't catch your thoughts, you can easily, a thought just becomes, you you just kind of reimagine what you would have done if you could have gone back in the situation, what you would have said differently and stuff. And then you're like, wait, and then you just realize like, Oh my gosh, um, I'm thinking this stuff and I'm in God's presence. Hmm. And then you're like, Whoa. And, but then all, but then the, the heal, the way this, the way you get healed is then you realize like, wow, I just had this really bad, disturbing thought. And I know that God knows that I just had that thought and God hasn't left and I'm just sitting here. And so maybe I ought to forgive myself too for having these kind of thoughts. And so you slowly release the junk on the inside, whatever you struggle with, you just become aware of it instead of pushing it back down in embarrassment. You know, there's that, um, there's the scene in this in the, in Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible where um, Adam and Eve they eat the fruit with the the story with the serpent, and if you and if, you know I don't know if you know, know the story Toby, but some of your listeners remember that Adam and Eve they go and hide in the woods, and then God yes, comes down yes. right, and then God yeah. says God comes looking for them, and it's kind of like that in Centering Prayer. You like you have this thought and like whoa maybe I need to go hide, but then you think. I can't hide. I'm just sitting here in silence. And so it's the process of being confronted with our own junk mm-hmm. and then surrendering it to God. Cause you know, there's four R's that go with the centering prayer that um, it's, you know, it's retain no thought. So when I realize that I'm thinking, I release it, mm-hmm. resist no thought. And so no matter how good or bad it is, we just let it be mm-hmm. um, react to no thought, especially the disturbing ones, right? Like I'm really mad, or maybe you have a sexual thought, or you have a like a greedy thought or a prideful thought. You just don't react and you just gently return. And it's by that process of just surrendering that God, I think, just slowly unclogs. I like to think of my uh, my insides as just pipes. So it's like God's like a plumber that just gets all the junk out of the pipes by us surrendering those things to Him. And the and the healing experience is that, like I, I mentioned earlier, that you you feel known by mm-hmm. this by God who's bigger than you. I mean, just um, this immense, and you feel loved. Mm-hmm. And that's what the healing part is when you realize the most painful parts of yourself are there for God to see (laughs) and you can release them. Um, Mm. That's what really frees you, Toby. And so, you know, from doing this for all these years now, and it's almost been 10 years of, um, of of doing this meditation practice. um, I kind of know myself a lot better than I ever did because I'm, uh, Mm. and, and what, what's interesting is, you know, I feel less holy 
than I probably used to think I was while at the same time, I feel more loved. And so it's like, I'm just, I'm more comfortable with being myself and being free than to show up to, you know, to share all this stuff with you and your listeners. I'm a better teacher. I'm a much better husband than I ever was. I'm a better father because I know myself and I know that God knows me and that God loves me and God accepts me. And that just puts me in a position where, um, you know, I can just be an ambassador of that same love and abundance with other people now that I've learned from sitting in silence. So, I mean, that may have been too long of an answer, but that's, uh, that's kind of how God heals you, I think, and gets rid of the toxic stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that means um, silence and solitude helps you to move from, you know, your fear, your guilt, your shame, and all those evil thoughts, and helps you to live fully in God's stream for your life. Yeah, yeah. That's what I got from that. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you to, like, feel comfortable and confident in the love of God for you also. Yeah, and that's and that's the game changer because you're free then. Because if you know if you know you're loved by God, you're just invited then to show up. Um, well, like you know, like one of my own mentors had told me, and uh, for years, and it really made sense after I'd been doing the centering prayer. He always just said the key to life was um, showing up, paying attention, and knowing that God has way more invested in this than you do. And so you yes. know, and that's so you're just kind of free to be a vehicle of God's love to other people then. Mm, that's true. That's very true. So, um, you know, in, in part four of your book, you, you write about confronting the self and the false self. Yeah. And can you explain this to me? How can we overcome the enemy within and how can we break through into our true self? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's essentially, um, it's similar to what, um, what I, I, I said is when you sit in silence again, you're going to be confronted mm-hmm. with, um, your fears, your shame, your guilt. And that's what our false self actually is. It's um, our false self is who we are when we attempt to make it through the world just out of our own resources apart from God. And, you know, we become, um, we grow into our false self basically while we're growing up because it's the false self is who you have to become Mm -hmm. to get the love that you, that everybody desires and so it ends up being like, what do I have to do to get love versus, you know, and the, and the healing part then is realizing there's nothing you have to do to be loved, that God is love and that God loves you. So that's the shift. And so it's just um, the silence lets you confront uh, essentially who you've become on your own. And then it, what it's inviting you to do is just um, see, to become who God wants you to be, which is. Um, a person who's loved by God. And then, yeah, that doesn't mean we don't do stuff, but the doing then flows out of at our core, knowing that we're already loved. Our doing isn't about trying to prove that we're worthy of love or trying to earn love or, you know, um, or living in a way that's false to who we really are because we think that somebody won't like us if we just show them who we really are. Yes. Yes. That's true. So um, that means um, that way we can also discover God's will for our life. Yeah. Or how can we, how can we do that? How can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I would say, you know, um, and when we talk about God's will, that's such a, that's such a great question. Cause everybody wants to kind of know what's the thing that I really need to do. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so um, if, if I, I would, in, in essence, and I think, you know, this, this is just quoting the scriptures back in, um, 
and, and I don't mean this as a simplistic answer, even a, a question that are attempting to avoid the, the specifics, the specificity of the question, but really what I think what God's will is for each one of us um, is to love God with all that we are <clears throat> and to love everyone else just as much as we love ourselves. And so I would talk about God's will <clears throat> in terms of essentially growing in love. And when Toby, when you and I grow in love, we actually are living out God's will because we're going to manifest that in the world. And it essentially starts, um, you know, it starts with um, there's three loves. It's, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's loving yourself, loving your neighbor, and then obviously loving God. And, you know, I talk about this in the book. There was a um, um, important medieval figure named um, Bernard of Clairvaux. He's known as St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Now he started one of the, um, I think he started the, I think the Cistercians, it's a Roman Catholic order, but it goes back to like, I think the 11th century. And um, Bernard talked about um, these four levels of love. And so um, in, in talking about God's will, and if, if, if growth and love is the God's will, it's interesting that these levels kind of correspond to our own growth. And, you know, and like the, the, the lowest level of love would be um, <clears throat> loving yourself for your own sake, yeah. which is, um, you know, that'd be narcissism or just, um, it's just selfishness essentially. And that's where, you know, most of us at some level, at some point in our lives, we, you know, it's really, we're, it's about us and, you know, you know, we love ourselves for our, our own sake. Um, yeah. but then if, if you begin a, um, you know, if you encounter God in some way, you know, then you kind of, you're most, a lot of times we start off, we love God for what God does for us. Right. So I'm going to love God. And if I love God, I'm gonna have a great life. And, you know, maybe I'll be healthy and wealthy and wise. Um, but then as you grow a little bit more and you deepen your spirituality and like, okay, um, that's still a little bit selfish loving God just for what God can do for me. <laughs> um, I need to love God for who yes. God is. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you grow and, and okay, I'm going to love God for who God is, but mm -hmm. then, and this is the, this is the cool thing. Um, and it's kind of hard to wrap your head on around it eventually uh, at first, but um, Bernard said, there's even a deeper love than loving God um, for who God is. And this is where it's interesting. It almost like it gets back to the beginning. Bernard said the highest expression of love is mm -hmm. loving yourself for God's sake. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that's crazy because that, you know, it almost sounds like loving yourself for your own sake, but it's loving God, um, for God. And so it's, it's, it's or loving yourself for God. I'm sorry. That's the highest level. And so it's like, um, it's getting to the point where you see yourself as God sees you and you 100% accept yourself, open yourself up to that. And that's the highest level of love. And so I would say God's will for us is to get into that highest level of love where we can love ourselves for the sake of God. And when you get to that place of real deep growth, it's, there's not, there's not selfishness involved in it at all. You're mm -hmm. living your, you're living and being focused on being and living the, as the person that God created you to be, and then just sharing that abundance with the world. And so that's what I would say God's will is for us to grow in love. Yes, yes. Wow, that's that's so awesome. Like when you are talking about this, I was like, yes. Um, God created us. We are God's precious creation, and God loves us so much. Yeah. So it's our responsibility, or God, we want us to love what He loves so much. 
which is us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we have to, we have to, you know, um, love ourselves for God's sake because God loves us so much. Yeah, with all everything that He has, and every, all of His His power. And 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 the and the biggest challenge for most of us, Toby, or at least I'll speak for myself, is like even if you've grown up in church and you've heard this stuff about God's love, a, a lot of times we don't really believe it. You know, so we think, well, mate, God loves the person next to me or God loves my kids. But but, does, but but do I really know deep down inside that God loves me and that God has my best interests at heart? I mean, and that's the mm. challenge and that that's where the fear, the guilt and the shame, they block us. That's the enemy within that blocks mm. out us, us essentially getting to the point. Um, and there's a theologian named Paul Tillich. He talks about grace being accepting the fact that you're unconditionally accepted. Hmm. And, and that's the breakthrough freeing moment when we have open ourselves up so much to God's love that, you know, it breaks through our guilt, our shame, our fear. And we can see ourselves as God see us, sees us. We can love ourselves as God loves us. And then that opens us up to, you know, have great conversations to be, um, like I like to say, we, we can become ambassadors of God's love and abundance to every single person that we meet. So from, from your experience and you know, from everything we've had about, you know, um, centering, um, centering prayer right now, um, how can we develop like a very healthy um, reading for spiritual practices that we can, you know, consistently practice every day of our lives, you know, to become much more centered in God, and continue to build our relationship with God every day. How can we do that? Yeah, and it it, it doesn't it involves some intentionality. And and um, again, people are at different stages of of life. And you know, and um, uh, um, you know, like if if you have small kids, sometimes it's not so easy to get those moments of quiet because the kids are always running around and stuff. So we have to recognize that. But it's it's basically what I would suggest if 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 people are really in, listeners are really interested in trying is look at your calendar. Because the the uh, how you keep your calendar, your schedule is 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 critical, and I would say, um, you know, say to yourself mentally, um, you know, I need to block out time to invest in my own deep spiritual formation, and so you know, like for me, um, I do it first thing in the morning. Um, you know, even you know, I've been working at the house pretty much the last year, so it's easy. But even when I used to go to my office, I would go early. And I would do my centering prayer before I started my, my work in my office. And so mm-hmm. it's about intentionally saying, I'm going to treat this like um, maybe it's my most important appointment every day. I'm going to do um, the habits that fuel me for long-term growth. And in and, and, and a lot of folks, uh, times people will say, you know, I don't have time. Um that's why it's so important just to get it on your calendar, make an appointment with yourself and then just um, do it consistently. But you want to find, you know, the right um, time in your day and everybody's going to be different, but look at your calendar, but then schedule it just in the same way. I think, you know, for spiritual practices, um, you, 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 you make sure everybody needs to take some kind of like day off. I mean, I'd call it a Sabbath and you got to schedule that. You need to schedule um, time with, if you have a family, with your family, put your work in around there and then make sure you've also scheduled in your practices and then just be consistent with them. And, and, and the key is um, um, centering prayer is a habit and it's kind of like going to the gym. And so 
it isn't, don't look, don't listen to me talk about all the stuff that's happened and say, oh, this is going to happen right off the bat. It takes time. And so just like kind of going to the gym and saying, I'm going to lift weights, hmm. you know, you, you don't see, you know, other than your muscles might get sore off the bat. You're not like, you're, you're not going to turn into like a guy that can do Olympic weightlifting in like a week or whatever, but you're yeah. just going to do the habit and you'll notice over time um, profound changes. So be patient but schedule it and do it consistently for a season to see if it's going to work. Like I would say that um, if you're going to do the centering prayer, you should try to commit to doing it. Um, you know, I'd even start with five minutes. Um, just say I'm going to do it five minutes every single day. I'm going to do it for a month to see what happens. Um, and then in slowly increase. Cause that's what I did when I first started, I started with really small amounts of time and slowly got longer. Um, some people also would find, you know, you may want to just jump in head, um, you know, feet first and say, I'm just going to do 20 minutes off the bat, but just pick a time and then consistently do it. Because one of the principles of spiritual formation or any habits is this um, small habits done consistently over time yield extraordinary results. And I can pretty much promise everybody that if you do a centering prayer practice, um, silent meditative practice, um, it will compound in your life over time if you consistently practice it. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's those would be some yeah. of the tips that I would give. You give exactly, yeah, yes. So from from your, your vast years of experience, like what will you give us listeners as like a closing remark, you know, for our spiritual growth or for you know to to have a much more better life, you know, to be able to overcome circumstances of life or just to grow and become what God wants us to be. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm, I would say this, um, a couple, a couple things. The first thing is, I think a great question that we want to ask ourselves is what in my life am I presently tolerating that yeah. is preventing me from thriving and flourishing? So I think we want to, it starts with telling ourselves the truth, right? And mm -hmm. so like um, that I need to grow, I need to get rid of this thing. So that's so important. It's just to be open honest and take responsibility um, uh, for that. So that, that would be the first thing I would say. And, you know, and, and then the, the second thing is, um, you know, you might just start if, if you're a, you know, a person of, of faith or you're just not even sure, why not just pray something like, um, you know, God astonish me, you know, I'm here. Um, I want to experience all that you have for me and uh, just, you know, come and be with me as I sit in silence. And then, um, you know, and then, you know, maybe, person finishes listening to the podcast and like, you know what, I'm just going to set my timer for five minutes after, you know, Toby signs off today. And I'm going to just try a five minute sitting in silence and just kind of see what happens. Um, and because yes. that's, um, that would be the second thing. And then the third thing I would say is you want to look at your life and again, imagine where you'd like to be in 10 years or 25 years, even. So like, you know, like when I, when I was telling my story earlier, I wanted to be better, not bitter. Now, I didn't know exactly what that was going to mean, but nice. it, I already had this growth piece, right? Mm -hmm. And so then once you decide you want to grow, you want to think about, you know, I, I mentioned that tolerations question. You want to think, okay, what are negative things that I need to cut out of my life? Mm -hmm. That's like in sports, like we were talking about soccer or football before we started, you know, and, and, and in football, yes. everybody's both offense and defense, right? You have to defend when you don't have the ball, you try to score when you do have the ball. So it's like a yeah. soccer is a great metaphor for this. And so you want to think in your own spiritual life, offense and defense. 
Mm-hmm. So I want to do positive practices so I can score goals and win the game, right? That's like yeah. centering prayer um, or reading good books, hanging around really good, powerful people, listening to great podcasts like Mere Talk. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also want, you know, to take, have play defense. So you got to get rid of stuff in your life that's pulling you away because here's the reality. You can do centering prayer every single day. Um, but if you if you have things in your life that don't need to be there that are sucking your energy that are causing you pain that are you know abusing you I mean you got to get rid of that stuff and then you can open yourself up to really what God wants so again that's probably more than you wanted to hear but that's what that's what my closing remarks would be yeah that's that's really awesome thank you so much like I'm going to place the, the link to your website in the show notes for this episode. So those who are listening to this before um, the, the book is released in September could pre-order for the book already. And those who are listening afterwards could still go to the link and also buy the book on Amazon and every other platform that's going to be available on. I, I really appreciate everything I'm going to learn from you. But for people out there who are like, yes, I still want to connect with Brian. I still want to ask some, ask some questions. Like what's the best way to connect and work with you? Yeah, honestly, they can do a couple things. I don't mind sharing my actual email. I, my, if they want to send me an email, they can reach out to me directly at deepdivespirituality at gmail.com. Um, and they can also go to my coaching website, um, drbrianrussellcoaching.com. And there's some ways to connect with me there, but I'd be happy to serve anyone. And obviously the centeringprayerbook.com. That signs up for um, for emails from me about Centering Prayer, and I'll send you some resources that can help get you started, and even some videos on how to do it. So that would that would I'd love to hear from anybody that's interested. Awesome, that's awesome, that's really great. Thank you so so much, Dr. Brian. I really appreciate everything I've been able to learn from you today about silence, about solitude, and about you know centering prayer as a whole. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Toby. And thanks for just a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your um, the, your interview style and how easy it was to speak with you. So blessings on your work and hope, um, again, I hope your audience continues to grow and thank you for your time. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.